You're listening to Drinking Socially, the official Untapped podcast, your weekly look into what's happening in the Untapped community and the world of beer. I'm Kyle. And I'm Tim. Drinking Socially is released every Wednesday morning and can be found at podcast.untapped.com or wherever you listen to podcasts. Today, Kyle and I are in different locations doing this show, so since we don't have the same beers at both locations, we decided to switch it up and uh, pick a specific style. Uh, I think you decided on this. Um, What are we doing? Well, I uh, actually sent you a message through untapped DMs or untapped messaging uh, to try and decide on this, and it was pretty convenient because I was able to just say, hey, this is exactly the one I was able to find at uh, my local Total Wine and uh, scanned the can that I've got here. And I actually have uh, one I've never had before, imported from Germany. I guess we could have gone to Germany to get the same beer this week. It is the Dinkel Acker Oktoberfest beer. Uh, it is brewed by Dinkel Acker Schwabenbrau. I'm going to go with that. I know I'm going to probably butcher a lot of these uh, German and European pronunciations here this week. So... Uh, this is a Marzen, and it comes in a can. It is a beautiful, like, gold Grand Prix-looking, uh, you know, wondrous, almost like a, a Stein-looking thing. I'll have to take a photo of this for you, but uh, it is it is a really, really cool can. And again, I was able to send this to you through untapped messaging and say, hey, have you had this one? Uh, can you get this one locally? You could do, you press the Find It button on there and, and see if you had it locally. Um, but I know you weren't able to get this one. What did you get? I'm like, I could have done that, but then I just went with the style instead of the exact beer. <laughs> so my bad. Um, if you didn't catch it, obviously we are doing Marzins. Um, it is just turning September. Obviously October is right around the corner. Um, but we decided to go with this, uh, this style a little early for most people, but it is definitely one of my favorites. My choice was to go with something a little more classic, which is the Hoofbrai Oktoberfest beer. Um, and this is from Hofbrei Haus Munchen. Munchen. I'm going to butcher these too. I really need. We really need some um, to work on our German here. Yeah, we really, really do. I mean, especially adding the the translated version of the Untapped app. We should really, like you said, brush up on our uh, Duolingo maybe a little bit. Grab that, grab <laughs> yes. that German beer, and then uh, you know, drink drink a little bit of the German beer to learn the German language. This is true. Um, mine is actually technically, according to us, considered more of a fest beer, um, which is really just kind of a lighter, what they say, more drinkable version of a Marzen. So I'm just going to say it's right on track, uh, right on track for the same thing, because mm-hmm. they're both basically Oktoberfest style status beers. It, it sounds like it's kind of like a Marzen, like a session Marzen almost. Yeah, it's um, I I had I had one um after I picked it up um I got a six pack because I will drink plenty of Oktoberfest beer. Hmm. Uh, I had one and it's really it's right on par with everything I expect from you know that sort of Oktoberfest Marzen, but just a little um clearer, um a little less dark. Granted, the ABV on this one's actually a little higher than the one you have, um, but it's very smooth. So this guy comes in at six point three uh, ABV with a twenty six IBU. And I, I like it because it's, uh, I was reading the label and it was uh, super fun to see, like, um, I'm just going to read this right off here. Uh, the Oktoberfest originated in 1810 in Munich, Germany. Uh, this product was created especially for this event, brewed usually for the Oktoberfest, now the largest beer festival in the world. Um, uh is one of the selected groups of breweries that are granted privilege of supplying Oktoberfest with their products. 
So basically, this guy is an official beer of the official Oktoberfest. Wow. That's okay. I, it sounds like I need to find this then. You, I, I'm sure you can find mine pretty much everywhere. Uh, speaking of my label, this is actually imported into China in places like that. So they've got a like, oh, four China only label on here, 500 milliliters, all in Chinese. Uh, that's, that's amazing. Now, yeah. this is, um, I picked this up in a six pack at Whole Foods. I've seen it around. This is a pretty widely distributed import so, from what I understand. I, I've got to say, and we probably get flack for this in our reviews on iTunes on the daily, but I don't really have many beers from Germany. I'm really excited to have this one, especially because it's in a can. Uh, most of the stuff that I've found from Germany or from Europe even is always in glass and either in 750 or 22s. And I just can't, I, I just can't drink that much beer. So. I'm excited to get into this can. Uh, let's crack them open. All right. So I'm going straight out of the bottle on this guy. Um, it's got a nice little amber colored bottle, so it's hard to really tell the um, color of the inside, but it's very crystal clear. Like um, no darkness, no nothing, no haze. It is very clean, very clear. I see the, bo- the uh, bubbles bubbling up there. Yeah, we'll pour a little bit out here as well. Um, I'm going straight from the can as well uh i don't i don't know how classically fest beer that is but uh i'm getting kind of a uh middle amber look very clear nice uh head retention um lots of small little bubbles on it and again i should say um the whole reason that we're doing this is because it's kind of kicking off the uh fest beer or marzen season the Oktoberfest season uh, and it's also kind of in line with, again, the Discord Drinking Project uh, over on our subreddit. They are doing just uh, malted barley, hops, and water. That's so funny because it does it calls out very specifically on the um, bottle here that it is brewed under the purity law of uh, 1516. So here we which go. Basically, th- that German law of um, water, barley, malt, and hops. Yep. Very clean. Like, really clean. When I'm thinking... Uh, Oktoberfest and um, fall and everything, I typically associate that with, you know, lots of malty character, um, maybe some spice, the kind of a lingering um, roastiness that kind of carries on, not on the level of like a porter or anything, but enough uh, roast and malt to um, kind of balance how sweet the beer is and i'm not getting a lot of that from this it is again very pure it's, huh, it's, that's because one really of the characteristics is that one of the characteristics of the the marzen is that malty sort of um thing that it has going on that that roasted sort of it's it's not um it's not dark it's not going to have that sort of like coffee roast that a right. porter or stout will have but it has that um that idea of it, which is a really nice, I, that's one of my most favorite things is, um, you know, it's got the bitterness, but not overwhelming like an IPA. It's got the maltiness, but not overwhelming like a porter. It's not quite as, you know, spiced or, um, fruity as a brown ale, but it's pretty much like my, one of my top favorite styles to have. I mean, this is, this is incredible. I, I really do enjoy this in terms of like, uh, kind of ringing in the season, if you would, and drinking something uh, very classic and very, um, 
I don't know, of a, of a time and of a place that I don't get to experience ever. I've never been to Germany. Um, I've never had, I, I haven't had many beers like this. I'm sure we'll get into our, our history of these. Uh, I know you've had quite a bit. You said that you, you'll get them around this time of year, but. Um, a couple yeah. of years ago, I, I went and I rounded up as many Oktoberfests as I could and put them head to head. Did you find a favorite? Um, I, that was a while ago, so I didn't specifically stick to it, but I will say that, um, interestingly enough, I think that, uh, Sierra Nevada's, uh, their collaboration with, uh, Wine Stefaner, mm-hmm. um, their Oktoberfest is pretty solid. I already, I picked that up weeks ago and I got a bunch of flack for it when I checked in and be like, um, it's a little <laughs> early. I'm yeah. like, um, yeah. I don't care. It's available at the store and it's super fresh. You, you want to get on it, you know? That's exactly it. I've been drinking um, Sierra Nevada's Summerfest, actually, and I, I felt like, uh, okay, I, I need to f- finish off these like three bottles of Summerfest I have left before I get into Oktoberfest, because it doesn't feel right, you know? Yeah, no, I totally get that. As, as someone who I don't get into the whole pumpkin beer thing, yam beer, pumpkin beer, wh- whatever the, like, that seasonal is, I just, I could never get into it. So I will just stick with the Oktoberfest. Ah, so it looks like I have had a total of 15 uh, Marsins. I guess that's how you would (laughs) pluralize that uh, over my entire untapped career, if you would. Uh, Sierra Nevada's Oktoberfest. Oh, I forgot I had Alesmiths when I was down there last week. Mm, mm, How was that? I mean, it was just what I want it to be. You know, um, slightly hoppy, um, toasty, malty. Um, mm-hmm. I've actually had, uh, I've got 21 in the Mars and category ah. and it's all, it's all over the, it's all over the place too. I, I see left hand brewings here in Nevada, um, angel cities, um, bunch of different places, Woodmer brothers. I just had, I've, I basically, if somebody has it, although I will say that, um, the spot in Oktoberfest, which is a, um, one of the pretty traditional ones have been brewed for forever. The spot and brewery has been around, uh, I, I have a little, I've read into the information on that. I don't know exactly how old it is, but it's, you know, a very traditional German brewery. Mm-hmm. Um, that is also one of my most favorite um, Oktoberfests that I've had. I would say the most unique one that I've had. I, I know that it's only supposed to be those three ingredients, but I had one from Cismontane uh, in Orange County that did a California buckwheat Oktoberfest. So they took some, you know, local ingredients and uh, sourced those to try and, I don't know, bring more flavor out, make it more of a a california style beer than just a purely german beer uh that i remember liking that one quite a bit yeah that's an interesting way to um, kind of spin it around yeah i'm about to slam this though this is so good yeah right that's i will i it's one of those styles that will just i'll knock back easy a couple yeah what is your favorite Oktoberfest? Uh, if you have one out there let us know on social twitter facebook and instagram by tagging us at untapped So yesterday, um, as we know, was Labor Day here in the U.S. Um, we are recording this the day after Labor Day, obviously. Um, that's a, a day full of no work, barbecue, beer, other fun activities. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it'd be interesting to take a look at the top 10 most checked in beers from this year. All right, let's take a look. The first one on the list, surprisingly, uh, is actually Sam Adams Oktoberfest from uh, Boston Beer Company. I'm glad to know we're not the only ones. It's not too early. 
uh, following that's actually the um, the Sierra Nevada Wine Stefan um, collaboration Oktoberfest. So we've got. Uh, I don't think we're starting too early if this is what's happening. Uh, number three, um, which is no surprise for our usual data, is Guinness. Mm-hmm. Uh, following that, four and five is actually owned by founders. Uh, they're Curmudgeon's Better Half and their All Day IPA. Uh, doesn't surprise me with All Day IPA because that is a great hot out barbecuing or doing some sort of outdoor activity beer. Yep. I think we talked about that um, a couple episodes back. Yeah. I just, uh, I spent like two hours mowing my lawn out here at at the uh, new untapped HQ Northwest, I guess. (laughs) Um, Did did you get your sit down mower yet? No, not yet. But I do need to get like one of those 15 packs of all day IPA so that I've got one sort of, you know, in the fridge at the ready for, for when a hard day's work is done. Uh, next up at number six is one I haven't heard of. It's uh, Stone Brewing's 22nd anniversary Animatter Double IPA. Yeah. So this came about uh, during, obviously, their 22nd anniversary party. And I believe what contributed to this was both that it's pretty readily available at most spots in uh, Southern California right now. But also, um, I I, I think it got pretty hot based on the uh, 22nd anniversary party and everyone kind of trying it there and bumping up those ratings so i think that's what kind of brought it to uh to number six here it's also the no haze double ipa is specifically written on the bottle the anti uh hazer yeah Mm -hmm. leave it to stone right yep uh, number seven is miller light from miller brewing which that's no surprise it's a uh, barbecue beer for sure yep uh, coming in at number eight, Cigar City Brewing's Hialeah. Um, I haven't, I don't know if I've had that one. It's pretty hoppy for a, uh, well, I guess, you know, Stone is as well. But uh, for it to sit up there at number eight is pretty good. Cigar City makes some really good beers and Hialeah is is just, it is, when you talk about what Cigar City brews, Hialeah is their number one. Uh, number nine is another non-surprise, which is Corona from Grupo Modelo. And uh-huh. then number 10, rounding out the uh, top 10 here, we have Bud Light from Amheuser-Busch. You know, I I love that the light beers sort of made a, an appearance on this Labor Day list. And folks aren't afraid to check those in just because, you know, they're, a, oh, I'm just having a one-off. I'm just having a light beer here and there. Um, keep checking those in. I love seeing, you know, where people are and it's basically like a beer diary, right? Where was I on Labor Day last year? Where was I on Labor Day in 2018? You, you know, I had, uh, two Guinnesses and a Bud Light and enjoyed myself. It's, I love using Untapped as the beer journal and sort of like just a reverse lookup of what I was doing at the time. So speaking of Oktoberfest and festivals and enjoying great beer, um, the Great American Beer Festival is actually coming up later this month. I know it's a very exciting time for breweries and beer lovers alike. And Kyle and I will actually be attending GABF this year. Um, We will be hosting a live recording of our show, Drinking Socially, at Odell Brewing's Denver Tap Room up in the um, what they call the Rhino District. Ah, no rhinos, though, I, I assume. In that, no, in that it is the River North Art District. <laughs> I had to look it. that one up because I was trying to figure out what they were referring to there. Yeah. Um, we'll, we'll add a link in the show notes um, with more details. Um, you're all welcome to attend, though there will be a limited number of tickets available. 
Um, there will be a link in the show notes to get tickets to see more details. But you can come over and um, join us and listen to Kyle and I butcher beer names in person uh, while we talk to Brent Cordell, uh, who's the brewmaster at the um, Odell Rhino Tap Room, as well as Jason Murphy, who's the beverage innovation manager at Buffalo Wild Wings and a certified Cicerone. He can actually help us uh, describe and explain the beers we're having. Yeah, yeah, and it should be a really great show. Uh, we've got a lot of feedback about the victory show that we did and having kind of a guest spurt on uh, and, and doing a special episode. So this should be another good one. Yeah. Plus I'm looking forward to trying more of Odell's beers and whatever they're brewing there at that tap room. Me too. Oh man. And I love their label design. So I'm, I'm eager to get into it. Our recording will be take place uh, Friday, September 21st. It'll be from noon to two uh, and be sure to check out the show notes for a link to more details as well as tickets. Again, it will be limited. Um, so be sure to stop by and RSVP uh, in the link on the show notes. We hope to see you there. Yeah, I'm very excited. Want to show off your love of Untapped? Check out our online store and pick up Untapped branded glassware, shirts, sweatshirts, hats, and more. Go to store.untapped.com and enter the coupon code podcast at checkout to get 20% off all orders. That's store.untapped.com coupon code podcast to get 20% off. All right, let's move on to our style of the week segment and take a look at this week's featured beer style. Here's Tim with more. As I'm sure you guessed, this week we are going to be taking a look at the Marzen and a kind of a brief rundown of its history. Uh, Marzen or Marzen beer is German for March beer. Uh, It's a seasonal pale ale that originated in Bavaria. Uh, The beer was traditionally brewed in March and stored in caves before summer's weather made brewing lagers nearly impossible. In addition to that, there's actually a Bavarian brewing ordinance that decreed in um, 1553 that beer may only be brewed between September 29th and April 23rd. So we talked about this in the past that there's just no way um, before obviously the advent of refrigeration for brewing to happen over the summer. Right. Yeah. Well, when you say March beer, I'm thinking, well, wait a second. It's September here now. This makes total sense, though, especially with, I guess, Germany's a little more north than we are here in California, I believe. Maybe I'm geographically uh, confused, but I, I think it is a little more north. So they probably get a little cooler starting around September, October time. More like Pacific Northwest for us, you know? Yeah, that would make sense. I think that's probably why, obviously, like the German hops in the Pacific Northwest, those are two climates where hops grow so well. Right. So that would make a lot of sense. Yep, yep. Um, the original Marzen was brewed dark, strong, and full-bodied using roasted Vienna uh, malt or caramelized Munich malt um, to help cover up the inevitable flavor changes that would occur throughout the summer. Basically, the beer was brewed, and it was stored underground in a cellar until... Um, in, basically until it was time to come out in the October um, timeframe. Wow. The style, as we discussed, really symbolically captures the autumnal uh, shift of season. So, you know, between when the heat starts to finally dissipate and that cool weather comes in and you see a little bit of like a color change in the leaves, which we don't see as much here in California, but <laughs> you know, you, you get the idea. Like this is, this is the perfect beer. And I think it perfectly captures that transition from um, light, hoppy, crisp into like starting to lead you down into the malty roasty things that you would expect to kind of shift into the winter seasons right yeah yeah kind of embodies like 
as much as I don't want to say it, it's sort of like, you know, pumpkin spice latte season. I know that's uh, obviously we're not going to talk about the history of the Starbucks pumpkin spice latte, but it it embodies those kind of flavors, you know, those smells. The I know how basic it is, but yeah. I almost I almost <laughs> ordered a PSL yesterday. Almost. We, we may have to do a pumpkin beer here just to really, really do we bring have in the to? season. Yeah, I mean, mm. okay, okay. Can we can we find a good one? Yeah, I'm, uh, there are plenty of great ones out there. I mean, I I know there are. Like, it wouldn't be a popular seasonal if there weren't good ones and people didn't like it. Um, it's just I never got into it. But I hey, for for the sake of expanding my palate, who knows? Maybe I will change my mind. Yep. Well, you've I mean, the, introducing Marzins here. Uh, I've had quite a few, but they never really stuck. Um, I think just the fact that we're talking about it here, learning a little bit about the history, um, and I'm enjoying it and able to vocalize and verbalize what my enjoyment of this is. I think it'll stick a little better this season. I'm, I'm going to go head first into them. Excellent. I'm very happy to hear that. Now, I know we did mention a lot about Marzen and Oktoberfest, and actually there's a little bit of history behind that too. Um, on October 12th, 1810, the Bavarian King Ludwig I and uh, Maria... Uh, I'm going to go with Teresa. Mm -hmm. uh, they were actually married and all the residents of Munich were invited to the countryside to join in this gala to celebrate their wedding. Um, the festivities, they actually lasted for like five days and ended with um, horse races. <laughs> I, interesting. I don't know why, but you know, whatever. If you're partying for five days, I think it always ends up in a horse race. <laughs> uh the the like the Marzen and the Oktoberfest and the Festviers they were all the style that was served during this time, um, and uh, when 1811 rolled around, um, the whole celebration actually happened again and again and again, and that is where the whole idea of Oktoberfest came from. It's an endless celebration, um, kind of of this wedding that really kicked it off. Now I gotta ask, then, do we still do the horse race, or is that is that not something that that happens at Oktoberfest? That's uh, I uh, I wish I had an answer for that. Yeah, that's a uh, really well, good question. We're gonna have to find out because there's there may be a game. See, it, it, there would only be three horses in that race, though: barley, water, and and hops. <laughs> well done. It looks like from 1810 to 1913, the horse race was the main attraction, but then it started to shift away. Ah, got it. Okay. All right. The la uh, here it is. E the last horse race was held in 1913. So it's been a while since they since they've done that. Hey, I, I mean, maybe mechanical horses. I don't know. I'm just trying to find a way to really crank up the party like they used to. You know? Oh yeah. I mean, if giant steins of uh, Mars and beer wasn't yep. enough, if that isn't enough, yep. The style is characterized by a medium to full body um, multi flavor, which is probably my favorite part. And a clean, dry finish. Um, the bright copper-orange color comes from the use of toasted Vienna and uh, Munich varieties of malted barley. Um, the hop rates are really kind of subdued. While it does have a nice little bitterness, um, they're not as hoppy, obviously, as, say, like um, an IPA or anything along those lines. Mm -hmm. But there's really no mistaking that the noble German aroma and flavor is there. Yeah, definitely. I'm getting, I mean, it is really dry. Like unbelievably dry from what i'm used to at least um and makes me want to drink more of it really to just kind of this keep, is how they get you keep it keep it rolling you know keep that flavor savor the flavor i, I don't know it, it's it's really good though 
Yeah, the style, it, it really is an elegant display of kind of clean maltiness, and they typically come in around 5.5 to 6% ABV. And then common names for Marzen include Marzen beer, um, Weiner Marzen, Fest beer, and Oktoberfest beer. And in the app, you said that we actually uh, differentiate a couple of those. So like Marzen is different from Fest beer, etc. Mainly because of the, the sort of like sessionability or the, the changes in flavor or the way it's brewed. Yeah, I believe that it's, they're, they're slightly different. Because comparing this one that I'm having right now, which is categorized as a Fest beer, with the um, Marzen of this year Nevada Oktoberfest that I had, I can tell a distinct difference between kind of the amount of malty roastiness. Mm-hmm. This, this one's a lot, this one feels a lot lighter. Mm-hmm. A lot more subdued, probably, yeah. When, typically when I have Marzen's, it's definitely sort of um, malt first. Uh, you, you, again, like you said, very subdued on, on the hops, but uh, a lot of malt, malt first. It's really good. Let's look at some of the interesting beer articles that we found this week. The first article we have up for you this week comes from Finger Lake Times. And uh, my five-year-old got a big kick out of this when I tried to explain what it was about. Uh, the article is entitled, It Was Toilet Wastewater, Now It's Beer. Can you swallow this new Boise brewing trend? Oh, boy. Uh, trend, I think, is a little generous, uh, bud. Like, mm, this feels like it should be on the Dogfish Head uh, First We Feast series for the all the weird beers that they're trying out on that, that YouTube <laughs> series. Uh, can you tell me about this? I might go the way of your five-year-old then and, and just kind of snicker uh, at first, but I, I want to know more. And just giggle and laugh and really like it. Um, the, the article actually, it's, it's funny. It starts off by saying that the biggest challenge about making beer from recycled wastewater isn't the purification process or the actual brewing. It's coming up with a name. Oh, come on. <laughs> uh, one of the quotes here, brown trout, uh, presumably for a brown <laughs> ale. Oh, yeah. Okay. All right. <laughs> Sug- suggests uh, Jerry Larson, co-owner and head brewer at the Mad Swede Brewing Company. <laughs> he says that kind of has a turd connotation. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Whatever Treasure Valley breweries decide to call their toilet to tap brewskis in October, know this. Um, they're probably going to need to nudge Boise beer drinkers past the ick factor. Yeah. You know, the the idea that you're drinking sewage. Well, definitely, especially, well, in California, I see the signs all over the place like, hey, this is gray water. You know, you we water the lawn with this uh, reclaimed water, but we absolutely do not want you to drink it sewage though whether or not they can get people in boise to actually drink this beer uh, larson says it'll be a crapshoot i love puns but not these (laughs) recycled wastewater is scientifically scrubbed into liquid nothingness Um, brewers actually need to add calcium and potentially other minerals back into it to kind of get it up to snuff for what they're going to be brewing um it's it's cleaner than the liquid that's pouring out of your kitchen tap Okay. Yeah, I get that. I understand that whatever chemical processes they're using, uh, or probably a mix of mechanical and chemical processes that they're doing to to clean up this water. Um, but still, it's 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 one hundred percent a mental thing. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You're right. You're you're definitely right. So Mother Earth Brewing, um, which I think we all mostly know about, um, is brewing its recycled water beer in partnership with the Pacific Northwest Clean Water Association. Um, other breweries uh, participating in the 
municipal pilot project uh, called the Pure Water Brew Boise. Um, they're actually using recycled water from Simplot's potato processing plant in Caldwell, which has an on-site reverse osmosis system. Ah, okay. So it's uh, it, <clears throat> they're using like runoff from uh, other processes to make this happen. See, now that's that's smart because that's reclaimed from another food-based process, probably. Uh, potatoes, I assume, are being eaten. So that's th- that doesn't seem that bad. You could come up with some pretty good names for those. Yeah, and there's another one that's using treated water from another area that normally the water would just be pumped into the Boise River, so they're kind of helping close that loop there. Mm-hmm. Uh, to make the drinking water quality uh, for some of these, they, actually a mobile purification truck from Arizona is um, helping put the water through some extra steps to make it clean and usable. Yeah, I said that this wouldn't be a great trend uh, at the start of this this uh, article here, but I think think maybe I've been convinced because especially in coordination with places like the Pacific Northwest Clean Water Association, Pure Water Brew Boise, etc. Um, they've got a better message behind it. Like there's a purpose. It's not just to brew for the sake of brewing with, yeah. with, with your number two water. It's, you know, like it's for a good cause. Um, and to try and kind of, like you said, close that loop on whatever waste is being produced right now and put it to good use we've we've kind of had a theme in these articles where we're trying to reduce waste and you know reclaim some of the spent stuff of this whole process and eventually i mean we're going to get to a point where everything that is being done in the brewing process either from the intake of that or to the the output of the breweries being used in some way that's really kind of reducing uh the total waste in a much more significant way than we're used to Exactly. And just water is such a necessity in the brewing process. And there's so much of it that just gets wasted through other other manufacturing processes that it, it makes perfect sense to try and find a way to use all of that. Um, it's smart. It's conservation. And the residents of Boise are really going to need to kind of come to grips with this long-term sustainability issue. Yep. But, but it, it all comes down to this. Would you try it? Oh, for sure. Yeah, all right. All right, I would too. <laughs> I mean, if they went, if somebody went out and just plunged, like put a hose in the treatment center and funneled that back into the kettle, maybe not. But <laughs> knowing that it's running through such a, you know, a scientific process of stripping everything out of it, to the stripping it so far to the point where you actually need to re-add things to make it um, acceptable for the brewing process, I mean... Honestly, it's like you don't even need to say anything. The, just just brew the beer and don't say anything. But obviously, you want like the marketing and the publicity behind the fact that you're trying to work towards solving this problem. But I mean, what would we wouldn't know any better if they didn't say anything? Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. If the whole brewery is doing it, I mean, you either drink them or you don't. Our next article comes from Atlas Obscura, and it's simply entitled "Iceberg Beer." So, speaking of making beer with interesting things. A Newfoundland brewery makes beer from glaciers that float along the shore. Boy, this is like the taking the funny version of the one we just talked about to like really sad levels. Like, <laughs> like this is cool. I'm glad they're doing this. But man, the fact that glaciers are melting to the point that we can brew with them. Wah, wah. That is a whole nother whole nother 
area of conservation to get into. When a part of Greenland's Peterman Glacier breaks off, the piece begins a slow journey down to eastern Canada. Uh, In three or four years, the rogue iceberg might arrive on Newfoundland's shore, and the elements eventually dissolve the um, glacial fragment down. Uh, But instead of allowing these floating masses to disappear, Newfoundlanders have decided to harvest pieces of the 10 to 20,000-year-old ice. Dang. Wow. Wow, that's incredible. I uh, would you would you claim that you have a ten thousand year old beer? Would you? Mm, you know you're going to. Yeah, yeah, you definitely are. This is it's actually no easy feat to even legally perform the task. I found this super super cool. Interested parties must actually obtain a rare but real seaborne glacial ice harvesting license. Huh. So uh, wow, 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 wow. Like kind of so like you have a, to get a license. It's like a like a fishing license i guess yeah like a sea cowboy gotta gotta <laughs> go out there and wrangle up those uh glaciers i guess cat yeah cattle glaciers can't, you can't very well grab a sheepdog and have them move into the right place you know you gotta so, so, <laughs> i don't know i'm taking the the metaphor a little too far but uh this you sounds, lost me a little bit there this, this sounds really interesting Managing to collect pieces without flipping the iceberg, which is a natural phenomenon that can prove fatal, uh, gives locals access to the purest water on Earth. Now, this is much better than the toilet water. Yeah, wow, that's incredible, though, that I I don't think I've seen someone harvest a glacier before, obviously, or a, uh, uh, you know, floating mound of ice, an iceberg. Um, so I don't I don't know what the dangers that are involved in that, but... Imagine seeing one flip because you're just trying to grab the the super pure water that's in there is that's wild. Yeah. Um, once you get through the uh, the collection without incident, it's time to drink. Uh, and at Newfoundland's, uh, I'm gonna go with uh, Quiddy Vidi Brewing Company. Uh, brewers turn the chunks of ancient compacted snow into a lager, appropriately named Iceberg Beer. Better than iceberg lettuce, I think, because that that one that one earned such a reputation for looking like an iceberg rather than actually being created by iceberg water. Because you know that they aren't growing iceberg lettuce with iceberg water. No way. You could make iceberg beer though with iceberg lettuce, and you could still call it. I don't know. That's. I think I think this brewery though uh, has has the right idea. That's for sure. I mean, it, it, the ice is going to melt and go to waste, so why not try and make something cool out of it? Oh, Obviously, you don't, want people going up, you don't want people going up to the glaciers and cutting it out there, but if it's going to float and melt away anyway. Something cool, please. Come on. Oh, I didn't even catch my own thing. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, some tasters say the golden brew has a clean, light taste um, imparted by the water, which is completely mineral-free and filled with lots of tiny bubbles. Interesting. Uh, hmm. Now, look, looking at that one on Untapped, it's got um, 4,800 uh, total check-ins. Wow. It is a light lager, uh, 4.5% ABV. It's got around 3.5 on the rating scale with uh, 3,100 ratings. It looks like it was actually a winner of bronze medal in 2014 at the Canadian Brewing Awards for North American-style premium lager. Uh, that it doesn't get more premium than an iceberg beer. It really does more premium than yeah than what is uh, twenty thousand uh, refreshing lager brewed with twenty five thousand year old iceberg water harvested yeah. from Newfoundland's awe inspiring icebergs. Yep, premium. Sheesh. 
I also love the um the bottle that this comes in is a really nice iceberg blue. Mm-hmm. It's it's a pretty beautiful looking blue bottle. But does it float? Probably. It's got to float, I, right? I would hope. I would hope so. <laughs> Uh, moving on to our next article. This one comes from standard.net. Um, I thought you and I would both be equally interested in this. Um, Ogden man's quest for beer that pairs well with Mexican food leads to brewery. Oh, ah, okay. All right. Like couldn't, couldn't find it. Gotta go make it. Yeah, exactly. Being California natives, uh, Mexican food is where it's at. I mean, mm-hmm. I had some for lunch today. It's, I probably it, had some yesterday and the day before it, it, it it, it's a it's a like four to five times a week thing at a minimum yep it's everywhere here and it is um because of the influx of the culture here in california we are pretty much able to get it everywhere which i'm very thankful for yeah me too uh eating mexican food javier chavez jr found it difficult to find a beer that paired well with the spices of the cuisine Uh, Exasperated in his search for something that would work, he finally took matters into his own hands. He said, uh, I struggled to find craft beer that tasted good with Mexican food, so I brewed my own. What do you usually drink with Mexican food? Is it, uh, you know, Modelo or... Yeah, uh, insert random Mexican lager here, Pacifico, Modelo. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, those are probably the two that would be most likely. I tend to really enjoy like a mixed drink with with mexican food like a michelada where you've got sort of the half clamato half beer concoction i know that's the a definite beer faux pas for some people but a a good californian like uh mango cart from um golden road with a michelada mix mm, 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 mm. very good well it's got to be good because i think that's the second time you've mentioned that mm-hmm. <laughs> i'm gonna put it on the list now <laughs> So uh, Javier's actually been making his own beer for eight years, uh, tapping spices and flavors distinctive to Mexico. And now sensing the opportunity to take it to another level, he's launching his own brewery and aiming to bring his offerings to the broader public. Um, You know, don't expect a big brewery or huge tanks. Um, He's actually kind of considering this a micro micro brewery. Uh, and he really just plans to make small batches to start with just five gallons at a time, which is enough for maybe 45 bottles. Oh, that is <laughs> that is very small batch. His operation is called Cerveza Zolupes Beer Company. Uh, it's based out of Ogden, Utah. He plans the recipes of his brews to borrow from the Mexican flavors and spices the parallel with the food that he grew up eating to really distinguish his operation. He plans to use flavorings like agave nectar, uh, made from the same plant used to make tequila, and piloncillo, which is unrefined cane sugar from Mexico. Uh, initially, he's planning on offering an amber ale as well as an India pale ale. Now, see, I'm super interested to know how it's differentiated in in the whole brewing process and maybe, you know, what what kind of spices maybe makes it into the, the mix there. You know, do you brew with coriander seeds? Do you, you know, try and bring a little bit of that uh, herbal quality to uh, things, especially like the pale ale. Uh, I can see the amber ale doing really well with like those sweet agave notes, but the IPA is, it definitely what intrigues me. Yeah, that's very interesting. And I'm curious to know how well it pairs because obviously like we're so used to a certain kind of um, light beer. Yeah. Like light beers that we just kind of assume pair well, (laughs) Uh, but having something, you know, 
from someone who's actually put time and effort into researching and has the background and like the cultural heritage to really understand what goes well, that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm really interested to see this. It sounds very, very localized. It's very regional. So I don't know if we'll ever get to try this, but I'm really, really curious to, to know more. Our last article this week comes from Thrillist.com. And, uh, you know, while summer is winding down, something we can kind of reflect on is, you know, summer camp. Who doesn't love summer camp? Uh, boy. Um, me? Maybe. I don't know. I, d- I don't. It's because I never went to it. You know, I didn't, oh, I didn't okay. have that. Uh, you go out and someone steals your, your shorts and hoists them up salute on the them. flagpole. Yeah. Yeah. Am I, am I just thinking of salute your shorts? Is that, that's probably it. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> this article's entitled, There is a craft beer camp for adults with all the best parts of summer camp. Now this, I'm very excited about. Diving off a dock into the lake, roasting marshmallows over the campfire. In retrospect, camp was pretty good. Being an adult, not quite as good. Mm-hmm. Going back to childhood, even for just a couple days, can sound terribly appealing. That's especially true if you can add beer to your camp experience. Well, and maybe some marshmallows, too. You, you Don't leave the marshmallows out. I'm okay with those. Yeah, no, for sure. We definitely need to have those marshmallows. Beer is undeniably integral to Camp Fair State, a camp for adults hosted by Fair State Brewing Co-op. The retreat takes place September 7th through 9th, so it's coming up here, um, in northern Minnesota, and it's a no-kids wonderland for beer-loving adults. Boy, that's, that sounds incredible. It really does. <laughs> it started because a couple years ago, we, are, we were going to All Pints North, the beer fest in Duluth, says Davin Hockable Bull, member coordinator at Fair State, and for a portion of the year, camp director of Camp Fair State. Uh, our president, Evan, suggested we rent a big campground and have a camp out with our members. So basically, what started as a company outing has now turned into this whole concept. That's pretty neat. Uh, I know that in Minnesota state fair stuff is really big too. And that's kind of how people get out, uh, in, at this time of year. But I do like that fair state is the brewing company. It's sort of like calling back to, uh, to the whole Minnesota area, you know, what, what they're doing in the summer. Oh, for sure. For their first year, they had about 50 campers at the mighty axe hop farm. It, It was a little bare bone, but everyone they say had a damn good time. Uh, The camp this year is actually moving from a farm to an actual campground with up to 150 campers. Uh, They'll be hanging out in cabins at the YMCA Camp Miller in uh, Sturgeon Lake, Minnesota, which is actually the sixth oldest camp in the country. (laughs) Wow. Okay. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I I love that they've tripled their size, which is pretty good, too. There's a homebrew session uh, where folks can come in, uh, know nothing about homebrewing and leave ready to get started on their first batch of beer. Uh, there will also be experts on hand talking about aromas and tastes of various malts. Uh, there will be sessions for uh, people who have a little bit more experience. So basically just a camp all about beer, which, oh man, I would be down for. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I haven't been camping this year. and This, this seems like the perfect reason to sort of get out, uh, share some experiences too with other, other beer drinkers. And I really like the whole education aspect. Like they're they're trying to educate you. If you're interested in home brewing, they'll get you started with home brewing. I mean, that's I'm ready to sign up. If we were in the area, man, I would totally do this. Yeah. 
uh, meals, lodging in a cabin, a camp shirt and mug, and tons of activities, and of course, all the beer you'd care to uh, you'd care for are included in the price of admission, which isn't cheap and is actually four hundred and fifty dollars. So it's a little pricey, but you're eating, you're sleeping, you're drinking, and you're learning for a couple of days there, seventh to the ninth. I think that's that's not too bad. We pay a pretty penny for campsites here in California, so that actually doesn't sound too bad. It can be really, really expensive, and you have to BYOB. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm so here, everything's this. provided for you. Yeah. I'm, yeah. <laughs> I think the value's there. Yep. Yep. I agree. Well, too bad. We'll have to, let's keep an eye out on this, and maybe uh, maybe this is the next place where we do another live show. Just out in the <laughs> woods with, with Kyle and Tim. Yes, that would uh, that could get interesting. All right, I think that does it for this week. Yep. Show notes are available at podcast.untapped.com. If you've got any questions for us or you've got feedback either about the app or about this podcast, you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. It's at Untapped Everywhere. And if you have a moment, please head over to Apple Podcasts and rate the show there. Five stars would be appreciated. The higher the rating, the uh, more ratings, the more likely people are to find our lovely show here and join in and listen. Uh, we'd also like to know what you think about the show, so feel free to leave a little review there in Apple Podcasts, and we'll take a look at those as they roll in. And be sure to check out the link for our live show coming up here very soon over at GABF. We're going to be doing a live show at Odell's in Rhino in Denver. Looking forward to that, uh, but until next week, cheers. cheers.